Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. So working on your commercial certificate means you have to fly complex aircraft. What does that mean and what can you really expect in this transition to complex aircraft? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com and you are listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com, complete private instrument commercial, soon to be CFI, online ground school courses in the, as well. When I say soon to be CFI, FOI is done uh, and we're filming the CFI airplane portion right now. It's going to be very exciting. So be looking forward to that, Ground School Academy. Academy.com if you want to check that out and learn more. I want to talk you through because, and there's a lot of change. There's a proposal for some new, uh, some changes to the rules here going out on this idea of flying complex aircraft for your commercial certificate. So let's talk about this here. First off, the proposal for new rulemaking is saying, basically, listen, Complex aircraft such as Aeros and 172RGs, both aircraft which are no longer manufactured, both aircraft uh, which clearly show an aging fleet to say the least, um, we want to do this instead, this is just the proposal talking, um, in a technically advanced aircraft, something like a Cirrus, something along those lines, to satisfy the same complex requirement here because it's hard for flight schools to maintain complex aircraft and everything else and oftentimes the aircraft just sit until there's a commercial or a CFI applicant and even so only 10 hours is required so they just get the 10 hours of flight and they take their check right in it and that's really about the extent of it. It's a truly aging fleet and I agree to that but there's pros and cons to each but either way as it stands today as, the, as of this recording if you're pursuing that commercial pilot certificate you have to fly in a complex aircraft. Your check ride will be in that same complex aircraft. So I want to really prepare you for what's ahead and what to expect as you work to transition into that complex aircraft. Because it seems so overwhelming. Your flight school tells you, listen, only 10 hours are required. You're going to take your check ride probably at 10, 11 hours in this complex aircraft. Yet you're going to have to know it well enough to fly it and perform as though you're already at that because you already are at that commercial pilot level. You're held to those more stringent standards in an airplane that you maybe have 11 hours in. That's a big task because it's not just flying the airplane, it's the checklist, it's the systems, it's the emergency procedures, it's the new pre-flights, all these things that go into it that we need to truly and really understand. So let's start with that. What is a pre-flight like on a complex aircraft? For me, it was significant. My private was done in a Cherokee 140, great. My instrument was done in that same Cherokee 140. Then my commercial, so I'm, I'm a low-wing guy at this point, my commercial then switches to a 172RG. For me, it was a totally different animal. For you, it may be the opposite. Maybe you're a 172 guy or gal for private instrument and a little bit of commercial, and now you're switching to a low-wing era, which Piper and Cessna just are, couldn't be any different sometimes when it comes to systems and everything else. So man, is that ever a lot to take in sometimes. So the pre-flight 
can be quite different depending on what you're really used to. But going line item by line item, going through that checklist and making sure everything really happens, that we knock everything out, is what's so important. Checking up in those gear wells, things we don't normally do, but checking up in those gear wells for things like bird's nests. I remember when I did mine, I was up in Massachusetts. It was in the wintertime. We have to get down on the, I mean, there's snow on the ramp, ice on the ramp. We'd have to get down um, and look up where, you know, in those gear wells, where the gear was going to be heading and stowed for flight um, and make sure no birds had uh, made a home up there or anything like that. And again, it sounds so silly, but just these extra things you don't normally think about when doing a pre-flight. How about checking that prop? We now have another hydraulic system, which brings me up to that systems portion we want to talk about of this as well, but it's one more hydraulic system to really look at and, and consider. One more, uh, you know, more fluids in this aircraft, more systems to better understand. Again, depends so much on the actual aircraft itself. A lot of just oil pressure, some can be hydraulic, it just depends on the aircraft. But knowing the aircraft systems, and geez, we've talked about systems before, I talk about it a lot with our online ground school members, you have to be able you have to really be at a point where you not only understand the systems, but nine times out of 10, you're going to have to be able to draw these systems. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it's not. And most flight instructors know what certain examiners are going to look for and ask for, but you have to have that ability to, listen, this is my fuel system. It's this much usable, this much unusable. We hold this in total. It's, you know, here's my fuel selector, here's my strainer, here's my low points, here's this. And draw and talk them through the fuel system. Work them through the electrical system. Now, that's a, that'd be a, a nightmare to draw, but in some cases, the basics you need to know. What's on the main bus? What's on a secondary bus? What's on an avionics bus? Those line items, what's fuses, what's circuit breakers. That way, if something goes wrong, you can at least troubleshoot in your head as the pilot. The landing gear system, the prop. I promise you, there's going to be extensive conversation about that prop and the different conditions. And what would you do if you lost oil pressure to that prop? What kind of condition would it go into? What are the fly weights doing now? What's the speeder spring doing here? And, and all these buzzwords that may sound foreign to you, but you're going to have to know them as you pursue this, whether it's just a, even a commercial endorsement, right? But certainly as you pursue getting checked off to fly this airplane for your check ride, knowing these systems forwards and backwards, my goodness, you're going to have to know them. Then when it's time to fly, just the new checklists alone. You see, you've got this much flight time already. You're going to be able to adapt to a new airplane. I know that's an intimidating thought, like, man, this new airplane, I got to learn it in 10 hours and not just learn it, but know it well enough to perform on a check ride. This seems like a lot. And you know, we all go through it and it is a lot, but it makes you a better pilot. But the checklists, flying shouldn't just stop when, when the engine stops, right? I mean, 
I made copies of all my checklists. They all came home with me. 10 hours wasn't enough to master them. I was chair flying my maneuvers. I was chair flying my emergency procedures in particular because it's not just engine failures now. It's land, you know, emergency landing gear extensions. It's if you do have an engine failure, that's why we practice power off 180s, which is in a Piper Arrow, also known as a brick with wings. If you've done a power off 180 in a Piper Arrow, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's get a beam your point, pull a power back to idle and turn and dive. Uh, there's an old comic strip out uh, and a, you know, kind of a running joke too about where's the arrow going to land if the engine quits, um, drop a rock out the window and follow it down because that's basically the direction you're going with it. It's true, an arrow has a terrible glide ratio. But getting back to this point of checklists, new checklists, we're used to just doing our before landing checklist of gumps. We now do CC gumps. And this is, again, each flight school a little bit different, but CC gumps is cow flaps close. There's something new, cow flaps. Why do we have cow flaps? Why would we open them? Why would we close them? Things we need to know, right? The next C in our CC gums is carburetor heat on. This is before landing, assuming we have carburetor heat that needs to be on. Uh, and then it just goes through gums. Gas undercarriage, which means gear down. We can actually apply that to us now, right? You've been saying gums for all these hours, but undercarriage was always down and welded. Now you actually have something to put down. Confirm three green, mixture rich, prop full forward. And the S, the S is always up for debate. I call it safety belts, seat belts. Um, some schools call it switches, like make sure all your landing light and everything is on. But I know this would drive some flight school owners and aircraft owners crazy, but all our lights are LED. So my lights stay on 100% of the time. Day, night, my lights are just on. Uh, that's, that's how I do it. So I don't need to worry about switches on. My lights are always on. So for me, it's seatbelts. And, and I know I'm not taking my seatbelt off, but my passengers may or, or something like that. I need to make sure that we're all good with that. And you know, shoulder harnesses can loosen up, whatever it may be. We're just double checking these types of items. So running through these checklists, running through two now these different maneuvers, and this is probably, this will be the best advice I can give you for transitioning to a complex aircraft. I know we have to learn to draw the systems and different pre-flight and different checklists and, and all these items, but the maneuvers are intimidating because it's a new airplane. The best advice I can give you on a commercial certificate is master the maneuvers in the 172, the 150, whatever you're flying first. Go out and master your flight maneuvers in that aircraft first before you even think about transitioning over to the Arrow, the 172RG, the 182RG, whatever complex aircraft you're going to be flying. Master those maneuvers first. It's crucial because think about it too. From Think about it from an economic standpoint, how expensive it is to rent that complex aircraft. It's, it's real expensive, right? I'd like to only just get the 10 hours required and then an hour for my check ride and call it a day and be done with it. But you're going to require more time if you don't know the maneuvers ahead of time. Lazy eights are hard. No one's ever going to tell you a lazy eight is easy. Most people couldn't sit down if you said, where should I be at the 45 degree point? Uh, is that max bank? Is that max pitch? Is that 15 degrees? You know what I mean? Most people couldn't even tell you that unless they're fresh out of a commercial pilot check ride. So don't, don't let anybody fool you here. You need, they're a hard maneuver because it's 
the purpose of a Lazy 8, and this is getting beyond the scope of a complex aircraft, let's get into flight maneuvers, but the purpose of a Lazy 8 is constant change. The bank or the pitch is constantly changing, and we're always adjusting. If you find yourself sitting still during a Lazy 8, you're doing something wrong because it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. And that's what we need to understand, right? That's why you need to get good at it in the 172, the 150, the Cherokee 140. While the lessons are somewhat cheap, or at least you're used to paying that amount before you start paying almost 200 bucks an hour for that complex aircraft. And the reason they're so expensive is because insurance and maintenance, man. The, the acquisition cost on an Aero is actually cheap because they're expensive to insure and maintain. And that's driven the cost of that aircraft down. So just something else to think about as you make that transition to a complex aircraft. Focus on the pre-flight. Focus on the systems. Be able to draw the systems. New checklists. Take them home with you. Take pictures of them. Print them out. Whatever you have to do. The new maneuvers. Lazy 8s, chandelles, 8s on pylons, powerful 180s. All that stuff needs to be mastered. You're only going to get 10 hours in this airplane. It's going to take 30 or 40 hours at home mastering all this stuff on the ground to truly get it done in 10 hours. Otherwise, you're going to end up having 15 or 20 hours in it, and your commercial ticket just got real expensive. I always say the airplane is a terrible classroom. Learn everything you can on the ground, please. But listen, guys, I've... Uh, uh, you know uh, what you need to do to knock out that complex aircraft. You're going to be such a success at it. If there's anything we can do to help you, don't hesitate to reach out. If you're an online ground school member of ours, thank you uh, for your business. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.